Times 135. Now, every week on a Tuesday, I invite a guest in to share their very special memory attached to a particular item of food or a dish. This week, I'm delighted to have a real foodie on board. Celia Hu is the editor-at-large of Foodie Magazine. She has appeared in television programmes for the Asian Food Channel and the Discovery Channel. And her food and her food is the ultimate... And she thinks food is an ultimate connector between people, regardless of their political beliefs or religion. Everyone can agree on a good meal. Let me welcome Celia to Soundbite. Good afternoon to you, Celia. Hello. Thank you for having me on the show. Well, it's lovely to have you. And it looks like you are very much a foodie. I mean, it's always nice to get foodies on board. Before we go into your Soundbite, tell me a little bit about what it is that you do. I've already mentioned Foodie Magazine. Tell me how your day is spent. Okay. Well, my day is... It's very flexible, actually. I've been the editor at large for Foodie Magazine for almost close to a decade. Ooh. And um, back before the days of COVID and with less dining restrictions, we would be out and about a lot more doing tastings, photo shoots for recipes, chef interviews, restaurant features, etc. Basically, um, everything surrounding food. And I had a very active monthly column in our um previously print magazine called The Food Nomad, where I would travel to a city around the world um, mm. and and talk about six to eight different hotspots to eat at and the type of cuisines you should definitely try while you're at that city. So I, I have done, uh, featured about 48 cities around the world wow. for that column throughout wow. the years, yes. What an ideal job that is, eh? <laughs> I'm just kind of salivating a of thinking. A lot of food. Oh, wow. <laughs> In well, a pre-COVID world. <laughs> that's amazing. Well, let's hope that um, things are going to settle down now and you will hopefully get to travel again. Um, just, yes. um, well, we'll talk a little bit more about your kind of life um, after we've talked to your soundbite. Now, soundbite, you know, do you have a particular food that you decided to go for? I decided to go for food that's linked to a childhood memory because I feel like sometimes when you pass, like you, you smell a whiff of something or you taste something, it brings you back to a memory. Yeah, absolutely. And, uh, you know, food for me is a lot about nostalgia. Um, and of course, there's very exciting menus coming up with innovative chefs all the time. But I think those nostalgic memories are what holds dear and kind of what I return to when I want to return back to, you know, like uh, my roots. Mm -hmm. And so, yeah, so that particular food that I'd like to talk about is very simple. And I think actually very good for the environment because it's completely vegetarian, and mm -hmm. you know, fits the sustainability angle. It's just a cold bowl of sesame noodles with shredded cucumbers that my grandpa would always make me especially in the very pre-air conditioned hot summers in Beijing that's where I grew up uh -huh. and it's just just having a bite of that it's it's always handmade so nothing is store-bought like the sesame is milled fresh oh wow the, beautiful the noodles are made from scratch mm -hmm. like my my grandparents would never ever buy store-bought noodles. It's always made fresh because the texture is just very different. And it's just a very simple meal that could be enjoyed in the shade of a willow tree in the summer when there's no aircon. 
Well, you make it sound absolutely romantic as well. It sounds fantastic. If people want to have a look at um, her dish, you can go over to my Facebook page, Sadi Osmani on Radio 3 RTHK. There is a photograph of the noodles with the with the shredded cucumber. So, so now, is that something that you have, you know, you were saying that your grandpa wouldn't, they wouldn't have store-bought noodles. Is that something that's been passed on to you? Is that something, do you enjoy cooking as well as eating? I actually tried making the noodles myself, but mm-hmm. I have so far failed miserably. <laughs> uh, but I, I think from my family, we always, inst- they always instill this thing of, you know, making everything from scratch. Mm-hmm. I think that's what I really you know appreciate in my line of work of like learning how the chefs create menus with you know innovation and hard work rather than you know the easy cheese way of store-bought items Mm -hmm. so um for me like i make dumplings i only i can only eat wrappers make uh dumplings with wrappers that i make myself because the textures completely different so yeah i think that's something you know my my parents and grandparents instilled on me is just to do it yourself so you do you do enjoy cooking? Do you spend? Is it something that you do every day, or is it just a special occasion thing for you? Um, I well, when, with two kids now, it's a little bit harder to mm-hmm. cook all the time. But mm-hmm. I do do. It's a great great way of uh, de stressing. And actually, I started off with a blog called Girl Meets Cooking before I joined Foodie. So it started off as a recipe blog to encourage everyone to cook at home by themselves Mm -hmm. um, before I bloomed into something of a different role with Foodie. That's amazing. (laughs) No, um, it's interesting because you just mentioned that you've got two kids. Do you think, I mean, now with the kids, they're eating your food. Is there, do they have a favorite that they will always ask you for and say, Mom, can you make that one? I mean, do they have a favorite? Um, so because I'm um, Northern Chinese, we mm-hmm. make a lot of things with dough. So that's like dumplings and then there's like steamed buns, um, manto, which is like a steamed uh, raised dough ball. Mm-hmm. So um, they always ask for those items and I always make it for from scratch for them. And usually the process, especially for dumplings, because it's a one person job, it takes like four to five hours. Wow. But then you get a whole batch done and you freeze it and it's a ready to go meal and yeah. you know exactly what's in it. You don't have to worry about like ingredients because you know everything that's in it. So I think that's one way of investing a lot of time in the beginning, but having it's easy worth meals it. later yeah. on. Yeah. And I think it's I, worth it. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was brought up with that too because, you know, my mum used to just make things from scratch and she used to make kebabs and stuff. And then I used to watch, mm. but she used to make like a whole batch of these things and then, you know, put them in the freezer. And then it was just like, yeah. it was an emergency. It was like you took it out when yeah. you needed it and it was, and you knew that it was absolutely wholesome and it was absolutely yes, fine. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And that's, yeah. Great- and I want my kids to grow up with, you know, like a palette that's, you know, you, you like pure, simple ingredients rather Mm -hmm. than you know a lot of additives and and um you know preservatives the artificial flavoring yeah and i suppose with a lot of chinese food you know when you are buying it from outside there's an abundance of sauces and salt and all sorts Mm -hmm. of things where you know i I think I, i made some chinese yesterday and I, you know, we avoid salt and there was no salt. Mm-hmm. I just did not put any salt, just a little trickle of sauce, soy sauce, and that was it. And and mm-hmm. that is quite nice. You can still taste everything, yeah. can't you? 
Mm. Yes, of course. Yeah. And I think, you know, ingredients in its purest form is always best. Yeah. So in your travels, I mean, this is something obviously that your grandpa used to make and that is still very much attached to those memories. And what kind of memories come into mind when you eat that dish? Is it of oh, your childhood? The, yes. And I, it's, it's all, it's because it's always eaten at the height of summer when yeah. it's so hot uh -huh. everywhere. It's like 45 degrees in Beijing. And you just hear the roar of the cicadas. I always hear that oh, wow. um, in the back of my mind when I eat the the noodles That's because amazing. they scream so loud like yeah. all day <laughs> i think we've so got we some around here that. too <laughs> yes yeah there it's the season for them now but like yeah we would eat that and then we would have our afternoon nap and that was always how i spend my childhood in beijing oh, that sounds lovely okay now in terms of you've done a lot of traveling and you've tasted yes. a lot of different food. Um, are there mm -hmm. any particular kind of things that have stood out for you, which you still remember very clearly in terms of what was your favorite? Like, okay, if you put your noodles aside and you think of all your traveling, what was you, what stood out for you in the places you've traveled to? What was the best dish that you've had? Oh, it's so hard because yeah, there's so I think many, every, sure. every region has a amazing, you know, food story. Like I, I just remember going to Rome and I was trying to book all these fancy restaurants, mm -hmm. but there was off this, I can't even remember where it is, off this alleyway uh -huh. by a little piazza. We just had the most amazing prawn spaghetti, but it was like made with the fat of the prawn's head. Oh, wow. So it was super umami and it was just, it was simple. It wasn't extravagant, but it was just so full of flavor. Mm -hmm. um, and then, of course, going to Japan has always been a favorite of mine. Um, you know, eating like I remember once we were in Kyoto and we ate at a 600 year old restaurant that's owned by the same family. And it was the 16th generation chin of chef that cooked for us and they used to cook for the royal court back when uh kyoto was the the capital mm -hmm. so it was like a beautiful um garden japanese private room garden setting and they were using silverware that was passed down through generations so that was a very refined kaizaki meal wow you're painting some beautiful pictures there i can just i can just <laughs> imagine myself <laughs> i know it's it, it's quite hard isn't it not to be able to travel that sounds amazing i mean you must have you must have gone to some some amazing settings for some of these restaurants uh, you know around the world and sometimes it is those simple ones that are the best isn't it yeah, like, um, you know, for example, I went to Yunnan and that was a very eye-opening experience because that's a very uh, kind of untapped region of China. Mm -hmm. And they have a lot of uh, unique mushrooms, especially the Matsutake mushroom mm -hmm. that's grown in the actual Shangri-La. So you would just get them super cheap and restaurants would offer so many different kinds of oh, wild mushrooms wow. and they would just flash fry them and you eat them at the peak of their season. Wow. That sounds great. <laughs> You're making me salivate. <laughs> so if you yeah. had uh, if you had a choice now, now, if, for instance, uh, I hope that, you know, within the next few months, things are going to open up and we will be back to traveling. But in terms mm -hmm. of your go to um, go to location, which is the place that you'd like to visit again? And or, I suppose for the scenic quality, as well as the food scene, where where's your favorite place? I, I know there's so many. Oh, I know there's so many. And there's so many. Yeah, but I think Japan would still be uh, because I haven't been back for so long and I would love to have a really nice Kaizaki meal in a 
in a very tranquil setting there. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And is there any place, for instance, that you haven't visited that's been on your kind of list of places to go? Because, I mean, you can look around and there is just so much in terms of on offer, in terms of the food scene. Any other place that you yeah. look, that comes into your mind? I would love to visit South America from Hong Kong. It's, you know, it's a very difficult, long journey to get there. So I'm hoping that I get a chance to visit Argentina because I really want to try all the, you know, the empanadas and the, you know, the huge meat culture, grilled mm, meats culture. Yeah, there. barbecue yeah. stuff, isn't it? That's mm-hmm. right. Yeah, bold flavors. Yeah. So, yeah, South American cuisine would be something I'd love to actually try on site. Yeah. How about street food? Um, where's your favorite? Would you say that you're doing the Chinese side of things, Thai? What's, where'd you go for for street food? Oh, well, I think... So Chinese Chinese street food is really cool. There's so there's just like every region is different, mm-hmm. and I love Chinese food above all other foods around the world. For me, it's still yeah. the best. I think majority of Chinese mood. say that. To say the truth, if there's a choice, yeah. there's no. Let's stick to Chinese. Yeah, it's still Chinese food for me. But yeah. I think street food Thai Thailand uh-huh. is really cool. I, I mean, I just love going out to the stalls and just trying like. Okay, it's a very touristy thing to have banana pancake, but it's still one of my favorites. But all the sweet um, Thai desserts that you can get at the stalls Mm -hmm. are also really, really cool and very beautiful to look at as well. And I think what's quite amazing about street food is that the food is always good. I mean, you know, you you kind of pick it up and, and it's fresh and it's made right there. But I think a lot of it is to do with the whole atmosphere at that time when you're standing yeah. there and you're not particularly you know it might just be a little plastic chair you're sitting on and it's all grotty or whatever but uh, but yeah. I, I recall like you know I would I would be very careful if you went to sort of India or Pakistan and places like that then mm-hmm. you know street food you're going to have to really make sure that you have got a strong stomach for it because yeah, uh, I, it's a bit I, I risky <laughs> yeah. it is a bit yes. risky but um, mm-hmm. I recall in Karachi there was this uh, big market and they used to have these to do lots like chickpea salads and things like that and lots Ooh. of yogurt and tamarind sauce and and things and I tell you it was to die for literally it really was mm. so I suppose that's something you know, that perhaps in Thailand is much safer isn't it you don't tend to I think that. it's a bit yeah I mean I've, I've never gotten sick I still remember one of the best meals I had was in Bangkok I just ran after a scooter that was selling <laughs> um, grilled gaiyang which is the grilled chicken that they have between oh. sugarcane yeah and it was so good. Like, it was just so random, but so good. And I think for, with street food, you always go where the locals are, where, yes. where the line is the longest because they yeah. know their stuff, right? Well, that's brilliant. Well, it's, it's just <laughs> amazing talking to you. I'm just going to ask you in terms of any tips that you would give anyone. Like, you know, uh, Hong Kong is, and, you know, you write for Foodie Magazine and stuff too, but Hong Kong is huge uh, in terms of, you know, what's an offer. And I think F&B industry obviously now hopefully will be getting back on its feet. But, um, you know, how do mm-hmm. we decide what's the best, when you're wanting to go out in Hong Kong to find a good place to eat, you must know a lot of them. How is the best way to do it? Do we just check reviews or, you know, ask people what's, what would you say? I think it depends on what type of food you're looking for. Are you looking for a fine dining experience, which is best to start looking at the, the reviews of magazines because they would probably have done all the in-depth dive into the menu and chef's background. Um, or are you looking for more of a local flavor? Then I would I would actually look at Instagram okay. and um, some of the trending, you know, like hashtag 
places. And I, I think Hong Kong is a very interesting place where you can go extremely high end, but you can also go very down to earth. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot in between as well. And I really hope that after these waves, our F&B industry will will still, you know, keep that vibrancy going. Yeah, yeah, it's a, it's been a very sad time for them. But you feel that there is um, kind of light at the end of the tunnel now. You feel that, you know, caseloads are going down. So let's hope that maybe this week we might just hear about restrictions being eased. Even just the thing of actually having, you know, it's so awkward not to be able to have food with a, a few, pe- a couple of people, you know, more than a couple of people at a table. Exactly. So it is exactly, different. but I think... Sorry, but I think the main thing is I think Hong Kong F&B would still always be strong because there is a crowd here that supports yeah. it. Everyone here loves to eat and they're always inquisitive about new new items. So yeah. I think it's a great market. And, it will and always continue to be a good market. Absolutely. And one of the things that I find in Hong Kong, which I've never seen anywhere else really, not to that extent, is that when a new place opens or if a, if a place is like trending, as you say, my goodness, people can line up outside for a good hour or 40 minutes. Yes, and, and you know what? The line experience is part of the experience. <laughs> I don't know. You know, there is... It makes the food more worthwhile. <laughs> I know. Well, after you've lined up for about 45 minutes, you are starving by the time you get there. But exactly. there is one particular place that I've just noticed recently, right? Um, I won't say who, what it is, but it's a place that sells bread, right? And they've just opened a new branch in mm. TST. And, uh, I see, yes. And uh, I must admit, like, I've gone past it and I kind of casually thought, oh, do you know what? I'll just go there and pick up some sourdough and this and this. And then when I got there, there was this massive queue and then we're halfway through across the street here. And then I just thought I had to weigh it up and I thought, thought no, do you know, I can't. And yet there are kind of local bakeries close by and they're empty and there's nobody there. And, and you just think, well, yes. the line, I feel kind of like I should take a microphone and talk to people in the line and ask them, you know, what are you looking for? <laughs> but that's Well, there's something Greg Wall is doing right for that <laughs> yeah, I know, because um, they have a massive line. But OK, well, thank you so much um, for talking to me. It's been delightful. Actually, you should come in and on a, on a Tuesday we do all sorts of food. Maybe you should get a sort of an update from you as to come out. Where's the place to, to go and eat now? <laughs> so I should come back to you. <laughs> Celia, yeah, thank you. Yeah, I should you. be more active out there looking now since, you know, the fifth yeah. race is dying down. <laughs> so so what, what's your ambition now? Like, you know, once this um, calms down, what's the first thing you're going to do? Um, you know what? I'm. I want to have dinner outside with more than four people. Yeah, yeah, I know. Um, and, <laughs> Let's start baby steps. <laughs> yeah, and and I hope so too, because because obviously, if you have a family, you know, if you've got two kids, and you know, then then you go out. You all, I've seen, you know, lots of families sitting there, and and they're in two tables, and. And it just yeah. feels like, oh, my goodness. And the kids are sitting on a separate table. <laughs> you have to decide yes, that this yes. is where the sibling rivalry comes in because then the kids think, all right, I'm going to sit with mommy or you're going to sit with daddy. That means you're his favorite and I'm not your favorite. I know. <laughs> oh, my goodness. And I always get picked last. So. Oh, <laughs> all right. Okay. Well, anyway, listen, Asidia, thank you so much for your time today. It's been lovely speaking to you. And you're, if anyone Thank wants you. to see the noodle dish, then go over to my Facebook page, Sadi Usmani on Radio 3 RTHK. And you can check out the cold noodles with sesame oil, sesame oil, sesame. And, no, sesame uh, sauce. Sesame sauce and cucumber. Mm-hmm. And it sounds delightful and it's nice and cold too. So have a lovely time. Thank you ever so much. And we will talk to you again Thank at some you. point, Celia. Thanks sure. so much. Bye-bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.